are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio here at LastWordOnSports.com. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Thursday, June 8th, 2023, or shall we say Messi plus one, Messi plus two in terms of Lionel Messi coming to Major League Soccer. It's been a while since we've podcasted. We'll be talking a whole lot of recent news and notes in terms of action on the field in Major League Soccer today, but we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about between the um uh, between all of the cup competitions that are wrapping up and have been completed we'll obviously be talking about Lionel Messi to MLS Lionel Messi to Miami and we'll talk about news and notes for this weekend in the round table joining me now it's just a two-man midfield today uh Raheem Bashir Raheem how are you up in Canada how are things with all of the fires um it's going well um fortunately in Toronto it's not that bad but yeah our prayers to you know the places where it's really bad like in uh, Halifax and hopefully everyone is safe very good Raheem so uh, Raheem let's get into it Um, it's officially official I guess we don't know contract details yet but all of the relevant reporters have reported saying that Messi's going to Miami Messi has said himself I am going to Miami I think this is a massive coup for inner Miami and for Major League Soccer, given the reported numbers that were coming out of Saudi Arabia, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Messi's contracted salary is going to be. Reports are out there that he will be the highest paid player in MLS, so uh, more than the $14 million in guaranteed compensation uh, your uh, Lorenzo Insigne over at Toronto FC is getting Raheem. And then I think yeah. it's a question of what are the other perks that he's going to get. Reports are out there that he is also going to get a share of the revenue from the new Apple TV signups that come from this deal. And then also that there's possibly him working his way into ownership over at Inter Miami. But first of all, Raheem, what was your actual, what was your initial reaction when you saw this on your phone, on your computer, when somebody texted you? I almost didn't believe it because I feel like we've been down this road so many times. Um, yeah, I thought MLS might, might be able to do it. I, I thought it was a low chance. Um, I was kind of surprised that, um, he was coming to MLS. Um, he still, while he's, his age is kind of past his peak getting there. Um, I, Miami, I think with the connections with David Beckham, um, it does. I'm not shocked, but I am quite surprised that uh, Messi has come to MLS. I've got to be honest, Raheem. I almost didn't believe it, but as soon as the <clears throat> you know, we, we've seen uh, Fabrizio Romano say, Here we go on moves that weren't quite official, but once yeah. everybody was reporting it. Then yeah. at this point, I had to believe it. And then obviously, Messi comes out and says, you know, I'm going to Miami. You know, I go to MLSsoccer.com's homepage right now, and it's plastered with stuff from Miami, you know, uh, from Messi saying, you know, I'm going to Miami. Um, uh, you know, his bringing uh, Messi bringing MLS and Inter Miami to a whole nother level. So let's talk about what this means, I think, from a big picture standpoint for the league. I don't think there's any question. I, I was thinking about this the other day, Raheem. I think it's now yeah. fair to say 
in the lifetime of soccer. So going back, you know, a hundred plus years yeah. at this point in terms of major international recognizable names and stars yeah. that between MLS and the NASL, you could argue MLS has gotten every single one of those players that they've wanted with the exception of Diego Maradona. And there was a really good piece in the athletic, maybe a year or two ago from Pablo Maurer about how Maradona almost came to NASL. But you look at Pele, Franz Beckenbauer, Johan Krauf were all in the yeah. NASL, the old original version of the NASL. And in the MLS era, you're talking David Beckham. I guess we didn't get Zinedine Zidane. That's maybe a knock there, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And now if you're talking about we're not going to get, I don't think Ronaldo's ever going to play in MLS probably. But then at this point, like the next generation of players that you're talking about of major superstars who would be coming of age to where MLS would make sense for them in the latter part of your careers, you know, it's probably Kylian Mbappe and Erling Holland and maybe a couple of the American guys, but I I wouldn't put Christian Pulisic or any of those on the same tier with them. I'd say Alfonso Davies is closer to those two than a Christian Pulisic or a Tyler Adams as of right now. But I think this just speaks to MLS's continual ambition and their ability to woo players in here because of the economic opportunities, because of the benefits of coming to <clears throat> America and the other financial opportunities that come there. I don't think there's any, there, there's no mistaking that uh, David Beckham wanting to get his business started and doing stuff in Hollywood, that coming to the LA Galaxy was an appeal to say nothing of the fact that he had an actor pop star wife in posh spice it's one of the spice girls i think it's posh spice i might have that wrong um you know coming in and other players have been attracted to that nycfc and new york red bulls have attracted players because of the appeal of new york and i'd say raheem i'd, I'd call toronto an international city bit of a different flavor yeah. as well but certainly the italian community has been an appeal for the various italians that tfc has brought in over as dp so the the economic engine the financial opportunities, and let's be real, also the ability of MLS to make up and change rules as it goes along has been a benefactor to MLS in bringing some of these international players over to where they're able to see the big picture and be interested in MLS, even when the dollars and cents for opportunities elsewhere were more numerous. I don't think there's any denying that David Beckham could have gone back to England and could have gotten as many in terms of just his initial salary for being a soccer player would have been as good or better than what he was getting from the LA galaxy in 2007. I don't know that the whole package of what he could have gotten would have been the same, you know, Messi getting to buy in as a minority owner of inner Miami, him getting partial revenue for all the MLS, uh, you know, season pass subscriptions. I have to imagine, Raheem, whatever those numbers were in Argentina for how many people based in Argentina had MLS season pass right now, that that number is already increased 10, 20 fold by the time Messi ends up playing his first game for them. But, you know, I, I guess, Raheem, what do we think about, um, first of all, I guess, um, thoughts on Messi probably being the highest paid player in MLS. And there's also a report out there that there's a few financial levers that are coming in there. They could also be massaging how they're defining a designated player because inner Miami as prior to the signing had three DPs. And there's also substantial reporting out there that every single MLS team is, com is contributing in some way financially to, um, to Messi joining the team. And I don't know how, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I, I would imagine Toronto FC paying to have a player play against them and probably play very well against them. I could see where some fans would be would feel a certain way about that. Raheem, I've talked a whole lot. What do you think? I think if you look at the Messi signing, um, I still think 
because of the time that MLS was in in 2007, that David Beckham, I, I would still put that as probably the most significant um, player coming to MLS just because MLS was, it's not the league that it is now, it was, um, you know, in its early years, it was struggling financially and obviously with David Beckham coming, it brought new eyes to MLS and I do think it helped MLS grow a lot. Um, now that MLS is in a much stronger position than let's just say in the first decade of the 1000s, uh, I think Inter Miami is going to, um, the popularity of soccer in Inter Miami is going to grow quite popular with Messi being there. Obviously, when I think of the other players, um, there's Sebastian Jovenko, I think, is still one that is very significant because they got him in his prime. Like the other players, they they, they were still like past prime. So I still think the Jovinko one was very significant. Um, I could see, you know, like Miami, I, I remember uh, when Didier Drogba used to play for Montreal, I would travel to Montreal uh, from Toronto, and they would have Drogba on the front page of, uh, in Montreal. So I, I do expect something very similar, maybe even more, because uh, Messi is such a much bigger name than Drogba, I would say. So... I would say that in terms of what this means to MLS, I would put it probably second or third with Jov maybe above Jovinko, but behind Beckham. I think the only signing you could possibly argue that was bigger from that standpoint would be David Beckham Rahim. I think it's interesting yeah. to note <clears throat> I you know the I think that I think it's an interesting point that MLS gets to a point in the MLS 2.0 era because David in part because David Beckham comes over I don't know that you get messy without getting a similar level of snar you know to your point I don't think MLS grows and has the ownership in the expansion the way that it did in the MLS 2.0 era to where you then have a Toronto FC with the ability and the capacity to sign a Sebastian Giovinco or Lorenzo Insigne or Bernadeschi I don't know that I don't know that Thierry Henry is that first big signing. So I think if you want to argue that David, that Lionel Messi is standing on the shoulder of the Giants who came before him in coming to MLS, or rather that MLS is propped up by the Giants that they previously signed to then be worthy or to be to where Messi would legitimately consider them, then in that regard, Messi comes because Zlatan, Thierry Henry, Sebastian Giovinco, uh, David Beckham have come here, but from a purely international media, international attention, you know, the, the fact that, you know, MLS cup in 2011 and 2012 was broadcast internationally to, I don't remember how many countries, but it was a record breaker by like a factor of two or something that happened because of David Beckham. I don't think there's any denying that whatever projections that uh, Apple TV had for MLS season past this season, they're going to meet them because of the international interest in Messi And the fact that, Apple TV has that streaming deal and has it across so many countries as well, I think is going to make it like it was perfect timing for that as opposed to, you know, now suddenly the, you know, the Chinese, whatever 
MLS right, the MLS right holder in China now then has to scale for the fact that every single inner Miami game has to be easily accessible and they have to have the infrastructure for that. Now it's simply just probably increasing the bandwidth and the server usage for MLS season pass for Messi. And certainly I have to imagine whatever numbers they were getting on Spanish language broadcasts on the wrap up show and on the actual game feeds for MLS season pass that now that's going to get blown out of the water for that first inner Miami game that Messi's playing in. And that game's being broadcast and produced in Spanish. In addition to in English is going to be absolutely fantastic. I also think from a traveling media and from a national media standpoint, you know, um, Raheem, you might've been too young or maybe not as into MLS at that time, but there was a point where, you know, LA galaxy would go to Red Bull arena and the um and the New York Red Bulls team shop would actually be selling LA Galaxy uh Beckham jerseys. I don't know that we're going to be at that point. I think the online market and uh the I, I think the scale that we have in terms of online merchandising will take care of that for everybody who wants that pink uh Lionel Messi jersey certainly. But I'm wondering what this looks like from an international media standpoint. You know, how many um, you know, how many outlets that would only occasionally cover an FC Cincinnati game or a sporting Kansas City game or I don't know, let's pick a let's take a market less reputable. You know, if if Inter Miami ever comes to Colorado, for example, how many outlets that haven't covered the Colorado Rapids since their playoff game on Thanksgiving in 2021 would now come out specifically to cover Messi? What are the um you know, what are the ticket prices look like? I have to imagine inner Miami single game ticket prices are going up. I think they almost doubled for that Charlotte game that they have later in the season, Charlotte hosting inner Miami. But, you know, I think that could be crazy. Raheem, I bet you're getting a sellout at, uh, at Toronto FC whenever inner Miami comes next, certainly. Um, so I, I think it's a massive signing. I think time will tell whether or not it's bigger than David Beckham, but I don't think there's any denying that um, David Beckham was the predecessor that then allowed MLS to be in a position where they could actually feasibly sign a Messi. And, you know, we're talking about the player that you're actually getting, not just the personality and the branding, but interrupt me if you disagree, Raheem. The, the you know, David Beckham was far past his prime. You watch him in that 2012 MLS Cup, and he does not leave the midfield. He doesn't run a whole lot. Still a really good dead ball specialist and passer and everything. They're still getting a Messi who's an extremely functional, extremely elite player in MLS coming off of being the most valuable player on a World Cup winner. That is much, much better than what David Beckham was on the pitch as far as 2007 is concerned. Um, on that note, Raheem, you're watching Inter-Miami more closely than I have, given they've played Toronto FC and are in the Eastern Conference. They just fired Phil Neville. They're not on a good run of form. They did just advance to the semifinals, so Messi potentially could come in, play two Open Cup games, and win a trophy. Uh, what does this mean for Inter-Miami on the pitch? Um, MLS is a league where, you know, one or two players, they they won't be able... Like, MLS is a very difficult league, and I think some European players, I don't know if Messi thinks like this, but I know there's some players who played in Europe. They come here and they're surprised by how high, high the level in MLS is and how competitive it is. Like, um, I don't think, like Miami, maybe they win a cup in the US Open, but right now they're not doing very well in MLS right now. So maybe they... Um, they, you know, make the playoffs or not. But I don't think they're going, I don't think just because they signed Messi that they're going to um, build a dynasty. You acquire like several players, like some players to work for you. I, 
like for example, uh, LA Galaxy, you had Robbie Keane uh, with uh, David Beckham. With Toronto FC, you had uh, Michael Bradley with Sebastian Jovinko. Um, with Montreal, I know there was Ignacio Piatti with Didier Drogba. You need, uh, you know, a player that can, you need other players that can help with the uh, growth of um, the team in uh, Miami. I think that's well said, Raheem. You know, I think certainly the season-ending injury to Greg Orr certainly hurt them early on and probably made them a defensively more fragile team. It certainly hurt Phil Neville's ultimately, you know, unsuccessful time at the club. But, you know, I'm wondering, you know, Messi probably playing up front with Joseph Martinez. And, you know, we've talked about him coming back and having, you know, a comeback from his injury and maybe some revenge at Atlanta United, and I have to think that that's a good partnership. I guess we'll see what the rest of the midfield looks like. But yeah, to, to your point, I, I think it's a valid concern of the rest of the team structure and then how much entitlement that Messi maybe is coming with. Not saying that it wouldn't be deserved, but you know, whatever new head coach that Inter Miami signs, which I assume now that coaching search is going to get a whole lot easier because who wants to come coach in Miami without state income tax in Florida is one question. Who wants to then also come and coach, uh, you know, uh, Lionel Messi? I think that warrants. I think there's a higher profile of coach that now is going to be much easier for Miami to get. Certainly, if they're willing to spend, you know, Tata Martino money. I think he was getting like two million dollars a year or something like that when he was head coach of Atlanta, winning MLS Cup with them. You know what, Messi's going to come and Messi's not going to press. And is Messi going to respect or want to interact with a player that's, you know, just out of college and making 100K? What does that look like? And that's something that you don't necessarily know until you see the player that actually come over. David Beckham was not so good at that, if I'm being honest. Robbie Keane was okay at it. Landon Donovan as an American was absolutely bought in. You know, I look at you know, other DPs who really bought in. I think Joseph Martinez had that particularly with the Latin American players in Atlanta, but we've seen DPs come in and be effective on the field for themselves. And we've seen them kind of grow and actually be a part of that team. <clears throat> and part of that has to be the ability to relate to players that just frankly are not on your level. Let's be real between Messi's entire time at Barcelona and then two years at PSG. And let's throw in the Argentinian national team right now. You know, I don't know. Does, does DeAndre Yedlin make any of those starting squads at any point in his last 20 years of playing? I don't think so, Raheem. I'm not sure there's a previous version of DeAndre Yedlin, even like 2014 Seattle Sounders playing at the World Cup with the United States men's national team that is a starter on any one of those Barcelona teams. So Messi's going to come over and he's going to come over to guys that he would think like this is worse than the second division Spanish teams that we would beat in the Copa del Rey before. What does he react to? How does he react to like that? I'm not going to presume anything about that. I want to believe that Messi is a good human being, but also this is completely uncharted. This is uncharted territory for him and I think it's fair to argue with Inter Miami and the DPs they've had in the past this is uncharted territory for them the LA Galaxy have become very adept particularly under Bruce Arena of embedding those new DPs in because they went through a circus and frankly a lot of chaos and a lot of growing pains with um, with David Beckham, you know, um, Raheem, feel free to correct me, uh, you know, given what's gone on with Toronto FC the last couple of weeks, but certainly from an infrastructure and front office standpoint, they were set up to have two big personalities that Bob Bradley's used to big personalities from his times with LAFC and with the United States men's national team. Are they kind of figuring it out? Maybe we'll see if they win this weekend, certainly probably, but that's a whole bunch of other questions that inner Miami is going to have to answer. And there's a very real possibility that Messi comes in 
that there's a very non-zero possibility, as we've seen before from precedent, that Messi comes in and is like, oh my God, this is a mess. I either have to adjust to it or the organization has to adjust around me. And some of this is just going to be some uncomfortable presence as we deal with each other and I work my way um, you know, into ownership and retiring and you know, living in Miami and being happy. Um <clears throat> Raheem, uh, yes, no, uh, does Inter-Miami make the playoffs? And I guess we have to include, uh, do they win a trophy this year, given they're just two games away from the Open Cup? I'm going to say they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm also going to say that they're going to win the U.S. Open. I was going to say the same thing, to be honest, Raheem. I think there's <clears throat> I think there's going to be too much of an adjustment time for Messi, and particularly him coming in and playing for the first time in his career in a, in a league that plays through the summer as opposed to being used to, you know, coming into, you know, coming into preseason. I think it's going to take some adjustment time for him. I think the circus is going to make a lot of noise and a lot of distraction that I don't think is going to be helpful for them on the pitch. But, yeah, they've got two games to play one of which I think is very reasonable. We'll see who they play in the ultimately in the final. But yeah, I could very easily see them going all out for Open Cup to try and win a trophy and Messi prioritizing that as he embeds himself into the team and then tries to get the run, uh, hit the ground running in 2024. Anything else that we want to hit on Messi Raheem? Just kind of the last thing that I want to say again, I, I touched on it briefly, but I think if it turns out that all MLS teams are contributing financially in order to compensate Messi, given he turned down what almost a $400 million annually to play in Saudi Arabia and everything. I could see where MLS teams certainly from some of the smaller markets are upset that ownership groups were willing to spend that to bring a player that helps Miami that helps the league, but doesn't necessarily help them. I'd want to know what those finances look like. I'd hope that inner Miami's paying the most of any MLS team. I don't think it should be split evenly 29 ways or 30. If um, San Diego, whenever San Diego comes in, if they come in during the time of Messi's contract, <clears throat> you know, but you know, how much does this increase in terms of revenue sharing the, uh, most teams have their shirt sponsorship deals already secured for a number of years that didn't include a, hey, if Messi comes and now the league gets, you know, an increase of X fold of interest in it, then we should get more money because we're advertising for you. I don't know that MLS is getting more money from the Apple TV deal with Messi coming in as well. And so I could see where a Colorado Rapids fan, a San Jose Earthquakes fan, a Houston Dynamo fan, a Montreal fan looks at this and says that you know are we are we getting a net positive financially from ultimately paying for another team to be improved and benefit of having a player we don't know what those numbers are yet i don't know that those are going to be released publicly but i'd be really curious to see what they are and i'm here for and have an audience for fans that are skeptical of that or who would be bitter after the fact knowing that the that their club actually ended up losing money and then also losing ground on the in actual competition in helping to compensate for messi i still think it's a net positive and i can't wait for his first game and inter miami's now must see tv but that's how i feel any other messy talk raheem or shall we move on um, the only thing I'll mention is when Beckham came, MLS, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was around the level of the Costa Rican League at that time, 2007. Uh, there, there's a few metric, depending okay. on what metric you're using to define that as Raheem, but I, I'd say that they're in the same stratosphere. And I would say right now, um, MLS is much, much better than... Um, I, it's La Liga, and then they have something else to differentiate themselves from being the Spanish La Liga. But continue. So, um, with David Beckham, I, 
the thing is that MLS got a lot of coverage. It got a lot of people watching it. And MLS, I, I've gone to England because I have relatives there, and I've seen there's you know, MLS games being shown. And I think knowing that MLS is being shown in many countries, players from Canada and the US, they, they get these opportunities to go outside of Canada and US to Europe to prove their skills. Um, Liga MX has had that problem, like even though they have been traditionally seen as the better league, they haven't had that many players go to Europe for many reasons. But if Messi goes, if Messi comes to MLS, it'll bring a, I think, a whole new level of TV viewership. And, you know, many, you know, uh, you know, people watching the game, they'll notice Canadians and Americans in MLS and even scouts will be watching it. And, you know, maybe even more of them will go to Europe to try and see if they can make it there. Well said on that front, Raheem. I think certainly MLS, as much attention as I think it's deservedly been getting over the course of the last couple of years, I think it's now going to get even more with Messi, and certainly players are going to benefit from now, scouts watching that, and maybe paying attention a little bit more. Raheem, I think it's also fair to say, can we officially say with the league going to completely streaming and then also um, and then also with Messi coming in, can, can we now officially say that we're in MLS 4.0? I know there's kind of, there's MLS 2.0 is certainly expansion and David Beckham in 2007. There's a debate about when MLS 3.0 started, but we agreed we were there. And there was a question of when, and if we were in MLS 4.0, I don't think there's any question. MLS 4.0 starts uh, AM after Messi agreed. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Especially with, you know, MLS is starting, you know, Sounders uh, won the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, LAFC is in the final. So not only is Messi coming here, but MLS is starting to become that league where, you know, they can match or maybe in the future we'll see surpass League MX. But it's certainly, it, it, yeah, I would agree, MLS 4.0. All right, moving on, Raheem, I'll briefly touch on the Open Cup, and then we'll get to the CONCACAF Champions League and the Canadian Championship. The <clears throat> quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup happened yesterday and the day before at time of recording. FC Cincinnati with a 3-1 win over Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Garbage goal at the end from the Hounds. FC Cincinnati, I think, was in control for most of the match. Houston Dynamo emphasizing and dominating Chicago Fire 4-1 from SeatGeek Stadium. Chicago Fire are hit and miss, so I'm not surprised that Houston, who are a much improved team in league play, certainly took care of it. Uh, now I can say Messi's Inter-Miami, or should I say Inter-Messi Club de Football, uh, defeated Birmingham Legion by a score of 1-0. That was at that was a home game for <clears throat> Birmingham Legion. Kind of a lucky goal from Miami, and Miami obviously coming off of firing Phil Neville and rotating the squad a little bit, I think, Lucky to get a result, but they got the job done given they were playing at a USL team. Uh, the only USL team to, the only lower division team to host a game in this round was Birmingham City, was Birmingham Legion. Uh, Cincinnati hosted their match against Pittsburgh Riverhounds, and then FC Dallas with a 2 0 win over St. Louis City. And a little bit of rotation for both of those teams, but Raheem, I think we can probably agree now that. Uh, St. Louis, after their really good start to the season, has cooled off and has kind of shown their level. And Dallas is certainly better than them. I should say two late goals from FC Dallas. Uh, 80th minute from Jesus Ferreira and then Marco Farfan in the 80th ninth. So uh, so a late winner 
for Dallas and St. Louis, a lucky win for Inter Miami, and then I think comprehensive victories from the two better sides with Cincinnati beating Pittsburgh and then Houston beating Chicago. Um, I think it was a deserved. I, I think the I think it's going to be a really interesting to see who ultimately ends up winning the final. Obviously, you have Houston Dynamo who in the last decade are not regarded as being one of the better teams in MLS. They have one open cup. It was a couple of years ago. I think it was 2018 or 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And that was kind of their, uh, they focused on open cup after, uh, you know, having a really poor regular season and they knew they weren't going to do anything in that, but this is a new version of Houston dynamo with a new ownership group. Ben Olson, I think has been absolutely fantastic as head coach. Obviously, Ache Ache is playing well. They've got a new invigorated club and everything. And I think this would be a fantastic opportunity for them to win a trophy and kind of get back to being the Houston dynamo of yore and the MLS 2.0 eras where they were competing with the top teams in MLS. And then obviously you're looking at inner Miami and FC Cincinnati who have not been super competitive in their, early time so far in major league soccer they both made the playoffs granted the playoff structure expanded with them getting um expansion into mls and this is an opportunity for them to win their first pieces of silverware and fc cincinnati's off to a fantastic start in the season them winning open cup could be the start of really something special in the pat noonan era either this year or in the coming years as well and then fc dallas who are one of the blue bloods and mls original they've won this competition before they typically take open cup very very seriously i think either way we're going to have an open we're going to have a winner where that trophy is going to mean something to them it's not going to be a repeat of seattle sounders or <clears throat> sporting kansas city winning this competition it's going to be a statement for them it's either going to be i think a trophy that's that's going to be a highlight of the season particularly a highlight of an era or an indication of them wanting to do something more in that regard you know a, FC Dallas has won a Supporters' Shield. They haven't won an MLS Cup, so this is probably their best chance to win a trophy, as I mentioned earlier. And then you've got um, Houston Dynamo, who are uh, rebranded and revigorated, looking to win an Open Cup. And then obviously two relatively new expansion teams trying to win um, trying to win their first piece of silverware. FC Cincinnati would be doing so in probably the start of one of their, be their best seasons, probably, in club history. And Inter-Miami trying to win a trophy in their first year with Messi, I think, would just help them further from a branding and a recognition and a um, and a, a not a confidence standpoint. What's the word that I'm thinking of? And uh, legitimizing them in terms of what they're doing on the field. So that's everything that I have in terms of Open Cup. Obviously, Rachel Krieger wasn't able to join us. Otherwise, she would have poured what out from the Hounds. And we've got a couple weeks before the semifinals happen. So we'll talk about that at another date. But Raheem, I want to throw it to you. Once again, uh, you have uh, Vancouver Whitecaps winning the Canadian Championship. Oh, yeah. Um, it's an interesting time for Vancouver sports fans with the Whitecaps winning two straight Canadian Championships. Um. For people who don't know about the Canadian Championship, <clears throat> before, you know, it's been normally won, except for the last two years, it's been normally won by either Toronto FC or CF Montreal or um, even the second division Montreal Impact, first division Montreal Impact teams. The Whitecaps have had a lot of bad luck in the Voyagers Cup. Um, they have been runners-up uh, once like five straight years so uh, and the only time they won the Voyagers Cup before these two years was 2015 so it's good to see that the Whitecaps are finally um, you know finding success um, I, I think this also is 
indictment of the Vancouver soccer scene. Like Vancouver FC is starting this year um, in the Canadian Premier League or started this year. Um, there's likely going to be a Vancouver pro women soccer team coming in 2025. Um, in the new Project 8 League, uh, which is, I think, going to be owned by the Vancouver Whitecaps. So um, I, I think in terms of the Vancouver sport scene, there hasn't been that many like pro sports teams as they are now, even when you consider the, when the Vancouver Grizzlies existed. But I, I think it, it's, it also shows that Vancouver is becoming a super soccer city. Um, in terms of the pro soccer that they're getting and the finding the good soccer that they're being able to watch. Well said there, Raheem. Um, Raheem is Vancouver's been one of the kind of confusing MLS teams for me in terms of what they've done under Vanny Sartini. He comes in as an interim head coach. He's more of a vibes and a personality and a player's coach than a tactician. They've added some decent players, but you know, they're kind of, you know, in the middle of the pack in terms of this season. And as we'll get to in a minute, when we talk champions league, um, do you think they can be competitive now that they'll have been in champions league two years in a row? Do you think they'll, take that more seriously or be more prepared to be competitive if they run into an MLS or a Mexican team next year in the knockout stage? To be honest, it's very early to say. Um, I, I need to see how well the Whitecaps do in MLS play. Um, sometimes that helps in determining how they do in the new format with the CONCACAF Champions uh, Cup, I believe. Um, but you know, I, I guess if you look at an underdog team, you know, the Montreal impact that made that final in the CONCACAF Champions League, they were an underdog team. Nobody expected them to be in the final. So maybe at the Whitecaps, you know, even if even if they don't necessarily play well this year, maybe they make a run at the CONCACAF Champions Cup. That's always possible, but I, I want to see how they do in MLS. Well said there, Raheem. Before we talk about uh, what Raheem just teased there with the CONCACAF Champions League now being the CONCACAF Champions Cup, I want to say that we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is the perfect is perfect for daily nutrition and gut health support. AG1 solves uh, two of the most important health needs, the nutrition that your body needs every single day and a foundation for long-term gut health. Together, they help fuel your whole body health. They impact everything that you're doing from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, mood and immunity, all the way to the health of your skin, hair, and your nails. Simply follow the link in the show notes in the description uh, and get started today. Thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring Last Word on Sports Radio. So, Raheem, you mentioned it. Before we get to the actual reformatting of the CONCACAF Champions League, which has now re-become the CONCACAF Champions Cup, there's a previous iteration of this tournament that was the CCC instead of the CCL. But, Raheem, we have to pour one out for LAFC, who played two legs over the course of last week against Club Leon in the Champions League final. They lost 2-1. to one. We're lucky to lose 2-1 to one down at Estadio Leon in a game they probably could have lost 3 or 4-0. Uh, lucky 
Foul called on the buildup of a third Leon goal in stoppage time. And then Dennis Bowanga goes all the way to the other end to score to make it 2-1. And then Leon coming out, playing really defensive, making it kind of an ugly game, getting a goal, and then seeing out the game state to ultimately win on aggregate 3-1. Raheem, I think it's fair to say most pundits and people would have said that LAFC was the favorite going into this final. I think it's fair to say at no point over the three legs individually or the 180 minutes did LAFC look like the better team or look like they deserved to win the final. And while it was great to see another MLS team versus the Liga MX team in the final for back-to-back years again, I think this is a heat check. This is a humbling reminder that what Seattle did last year did not change the paradigm between Liga MX and MLS and still even when things aren't perfect or things don't go well, a relatively mid Mexican team can prioritize this competition and beat very, very good or elite MLS teams. And that's still something that I think we have to accept is the reality and the possibility. Raheem, as someone who's seen an MLS team, you know, go down in flames in a Champions League final, what'd you make of LAFC? What does this mean in terms of the competition? Um, Well, if... The MLS team made the final for two straight years. And while LAFC did not play well in the CONCACAF Champions League final, um, if MLS teams keep, you know, going deeper and deeper, I do believe that eventually MLS can, I'm not saying will, but can surpass Liga MX. Um, Obviously, We'll see how this, uh, we're mentioning the Messi thing, how this will impact everything in terms of what it means like 15, 20 years down the line. Um, But I I think there's still something to take away from it. Obviously, it's obviously for LAFC fans, they they did it, they lost two times in the final. So obviously, um, hard done luck there. Um, Also, it doesn't with with TFC's run. Remembering it, they probably beat the best Mexican teams, but lost to one of the weaker ones. So, um, you, you never know. Like, uh, like sometimes what's said on paper does not actually happen, and that's what happened with uh, LAFC. Raheem, I think that's a valid point because I look at the I look at the opponents that LAFC had in this competition. In the round of 16, they had Alajuelense out of Costa Rica, beat them 4-2 on aggregate. And then they had two MLS teams, Vancouver Whitecaps and Philadelphia Union, who they both beat handedly in on the aggregate score. And the first Mexican team they played was Leon in the final. And so I think there's something to be said for built on experience in this competition and in particular experience against Mexican opposition in this competition, something that LAFC did not really have. Let me check last year. Cause I know they were in because they won the supporter shield just to make sure. They were not in last year's version of it. Did I miss something? Uh, maybe it was the year before whenever it is, they won the supporter shield. <laughs> The first time, let me check. I'm not seeing it. If I go back two years, let's go back one more, maybe to 2020. Okay, my, 2020 might have been their last time because I think they won the <clears throat> the shield in 2019. Yes, so they made it to the final. Um, and they beat um, so they beat 
Le- Club Leon in the fir- in the round of 16. They beat Cruz Azul in the second round, um, and they beat America. Okay, so they played four Mexican teams along the way, but then obviously there was the they had, they had that weird structure because uh, they finished it at the end of the MLS regular season because that was the COVID year. So I look at Seattle, who had continuous year-on-year experience in Champions League and year-on-year experience against Mexican opposition. And I compare how much was different about LAFC this year to LAFC in 2019. Obviously, you've got different coaches, Bob Bradley out, Steve Trundolo in. You've got a couple of DPs that have changed out. Um, I haven't done the math, but I don't know. You don't have a complete starting 11 that would have had that experience in 2020 that was again then with the squad to know what it was like going up against Mexican opposition in this iteration of the tournament. So I think it's a really good point there, Raheem, that bloodying yourself and getting experience going down, playing in Mexico for a leg, managing that and getting experience with that is something that still takes time, even if on paper you're a better team. And let's face it, as you mentioned, it's a knockout competition and a knockout competition in CONCACAF. So chaos will always reign in that situation. And so Toronto FC, having prior experience in CCL, playing Mexican teams to then go and make the final and nearly win. And then Seattle, who beat Mexican teams, weaker Mexican teams, and played multiple years in the competition, keeping that core group, keeping that coaching staff together, was experience that lent well to themselves. Hopefully LAFC is able to get back into the competition next year or the year after and be better for it having lost to Club Leon. <clears throat> Excuse me, listeners. I'm overcoming a, a little bit of a sickness, so my voice is a little bit hoarse, so I apologize for that. I'll be better next time. But Raheem, let's get into it. Um, it was announced earlier this week that CONCACAF Champions League is rebranding back to being the CONCACAF Champions Cup, and they're reformatting themselves. There's a whole new structure that's determining the qualification for the knockout stage. They've gotten rid of the group stage effectively that would normally take place in the fall before the knockout stage takes place in the spring, as we know it. And then now there are 27 teams that will make it to the five-round knockout stage. Five teams will get a bye into the round of 16. So then you've got 22 teams playing each other. That's how you get to a 16-team bracket. And they've also expanded, Raheem, the number of ways and teams that qualify out of there. And from an MLS perspective, it's interesting now because you've got the MLS Cup champion and the Supporter Shield winner who will automatically qualify for Champions League. You also have the other conference winner, so the Supporter Shield winner, and then whoever wins the conference, the Shield winner is not in. And then you have the next two best teams by the Supporter Shield standing. And we found out just before we hit the record button, Raheem, that Canadian teams are eligible for those five ways of getting in. When there were previous iterations of qualification where they could only get in through the Canadian championship. And then obviously there's still the Canadian champion. So Vancouver's already booked their ticket to CCL next year. And then the open cup winner still gets a spot in the knockout stage of the CONCACAF champions cup. And then still also Raheem, there's the possibility that a defending Lee's cup champion and CONCACAF champions league or CONCACAF champions cup champion would come back as well. So in theory, Seattle Sounders who, um, who win the Champions League and then completely crash out of trying to qualify for the playoffs. And now this new format, they would also qualify. So there's now, what, five, six, seven, there's eight ways that an MLS team can now get in. Obviously, six that are guaranteed. Raheem, what do you make of this new format? Obviously, I think it gives an opportunity to some of the lesser teams from the lesser known countries or the lower countries, i.e. not Canada, the U.S. and Mexico to get into this competition. I think more games and more competition is good. But especially if you're an MLS team that doesn't get a buy 
into that round of 16 and makes a long run in this, this is going to be a more grueling competition that is going to affect how you handle domestic competition simultaneously. I think the one thing that's interesting is um, living in Canada, the three Canadian MLS teams have experience with the Canadian Premier League. It'll be interesting how the American MLS teams deal with the uh, CPL teams, but more Im like importantly, I like the geographical rivalries you could have possibly. So, you know, like maybe a Minnesota versus Valor FC in Winnipeg or, you know, Seattle and Portland facing the the two British Columbian teams. Uh, I, I, I find that quite... Um, quite uh, interesting and fascinating because um, they get to, well, I expect the MLS teams to win, but it will be interesting to see if those teams match up how the American MLS teams will deal with CPL because uh, I, I do know in the past, Whitecaps have had some trouble with the CPL teams and um, in the Canadian Championship. Well said there, Raheem. And last question, I have to wonder, I think having more teams get into it is good. I don't know that this necessarily increases the chances for an MLS team winning it. Um, you know, I suppose if there was, if you expanded the competition and now then expanded the number of MLS, you know, if, if it was, say, six teams out of the U.S. that got in, and then let's say that you, I'm, I'm making up rules for the sake of this hypothetical listeners, that you also had the Canadian champion and then no matter what the best, the Canadian MLS team that finished highest in the supporter shield standings, regardless of where they stood in the greater supporter shield standings also qualified, then I think you would say that this increases the chance. I think increasing the field, but then not proportionally increasing the number of MLS teams. I don't think that increases the odds for MLS. <clears throat> I suppose it'll be easier now because you have to figure you're getting a lower caliber team coming out of Central America or the Caribbean that you're playing in that first round with the other 22 teams in that, in that first round proper that you're able to get through. But at the end of the day, the, the Congaf Champions Cup is still going to run through the Mexican teams, and based on those format, they're still going to have it be the powerhouses. So if I look right now at the, <clears throat> excuse me, at the 2024 iteration of the tournament, I believe the Mexican teams have already, we already know which of those clubs will be in. So let me look at that right now for the Congaf Champions Cup. Yeah, so we already have the, so the five berths, it's going to be... I believe I'm looking at this correctly. So it's going to be Tigres. It's going to be Chivas. It's going to be Toluca, Monterrey, and then Club America. So right there, you have both of the Monterey clubs and Club America and Chivas, who I don't, I feel like aren't historically good in Champions League recently, but are a storied club in uh, in Liga MX. And then Toluca is maybe the one that you have in there that's mid. You know, that's for those four right there. At least three of them are murderers row out of the five. And you compare that to, um, you know, th those are going to be difficult, but. Raheem, I've been talking a whole lot. Do you think this format helps, hurts, or is neutral for MLS trying to win this competition for the second time? I think, I don't think it makes that, that much difference. Um, obviously, for in Canada's point of view, there's more chances of Canadian MLS team trying to make the final in, in terms of a Canadian point of view. But um, beating the Liga MX teams will always be 
a big priority for the uh, MLS. And the thing is that the Mexican teams, they, they have proven year over year that they are the best um, league in CONCACAF. Maybe that's changing. Maybe it's not. But um, I think I think it more depends on the quality of the MLS teams, how much better they become. Um, obviously, I do think there'll be benefits of the Messi coming to MLS, but I don't think it will happen two, three, four years down the line. I think it will happen probably, I'm thinking, 10, 15 years down the line. Good stuff there, Raheem. With that, unless there's anything else cup competition related, let's head over to the round table. So, Raheem, I'll throw it to you first. We talked about all the stuff Messi related. I don't know that there's, you know, when you open up with Messi to MLS, it's kind of hard to talk about anything else that's bigger than that. So, we don't have any big round table topics, but Raheem, we will move to pick them. So, each of us are going to pick a game that we're watching and interested in uh, for this weekend, and then we'll pick the scoreline. Raheem, I will throw to you first. I think it's going to be a draw. Um, the thing is that even though TFC is playing at home, Nashville is second in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think this will be a very tough game for Toronto FC. What I do notice is that there's some Nashville players that have gone to, no, some Toronto FC players that have gone to Nashville and are starting to play better, like Jacob Schaffelberg is starting to play very well there. I think Lucas Magnotten is also finding uh, his role in Nashville. So there's an interesting connection between the two teams. And that, uh, that to me, will be the um, talking point of the game for me. And then, Raheem, I'm going to go with Houston Dynamo hosting <clears throat> LAFC. Both teams had midweek games this week. We already talked about Houston going to Chicago and getting a win to advance to the semifinals in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And LAFC off of their double game week, uh, first leg, second leg of Champions League last week, played on Wednesday. They had a home game against Atlanta United. Brad Guzan, I think, tied his personal record for number of saves in an MLS game with nine. LAFC probably should have won that game. Uh, so they got a nil-nil draw against Atlanta midweek and then they're going to Houston Raheem if I look at the games in MLS where LAFC have looked mortal or even struggled and then even lost their one loss was in a uh was in a road game that was off of a double game week so I have to think this is going to be a fairly even matchup in that regard given all the travel and then all the fixture congestion that LAFC's had with open cup and with Champions League and then Houston having to travel all the way to Chicago and then come back, you could say it's even fair in terms of the amount of travel that's happening for both of these teams, even though LAFC is the road team in this game. I think Houston bounces back. I think they're in, I think they're feeling good about themselves coming out of that open cup game. I think LAFC have to be physically and mentally exhausted between what happened in Champions League and then obviously the letdown that they had against Atlanta. I think Houston squeaks out a 1 0 win in this one. And I'll say Hector Herrera Aceace gets the assist on that one to get a 1 0 win for the Houston Dynamo, who've been much, much better at home this season. I think that does it for the roundtable topics, unless there's anything else to discuss. So on that note, Raheem, I will throw it to you for last words. Anything that you want to say, soccer-related or otherwise, that we have not touched on? Soccer-related, 
I, I think we touched on uh, everything. Um, what What is interesting is in terms of anything related, um, basketball is becoming very popular with the new Canadian League Basketball League. Um, it's being shown on TSN nationally in some games. And yeah, it's nice to see, um, you know, a sport that was not that popular until I guess 1995 uh, become extremely popular in uh, Canada. Well said there, Raheem. No big last words for me personally. Well, I guess let, let me mention, you mentioned basketball, Raheem. So I'll say that I am torn watching these NBA finals as someone who lives in Denver, but is not a Nuggets fan, but knows a number of Nuggets fans and knows the tortured fan base that that is historically versus the Miami Heat, who obviously are my Eastern Conference team, having attended university uh, in Miami at the University of Miami. I'm torn about this finals. I'm not sure who's going to win. I feel like Denver's the better team. I think it's Nuggets and Six Raheem, but we shall see uh, what what is going on um, with that. So that's my one little basketball take that I have. I want to thank our other two sponsors besides Athletic Greens, and those are Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. First, Raheem, are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates that you get from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a unique and completely custom kit for a youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC is there to help, and they can create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Their motto is literally, any design you want, seriously, end quote. Let them design your next custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And then Roughneck Scarves are an official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer merchandise. Get custom scarves, neck gaiters, and masks for your group, team, or office at RoughneckScarves.com. Listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at LastWordSC. Check out all of our content, MLS, soccer-related, or otherwise, at LastWordOnSports.com backslash soccer. And you can find us, rate us, review us, share us with your friends wherever you get your podcast. Just search LWS Radio, and you'll find us and a bunch of other great content from the Last Word family here on this feed right here. With that, listeners, thank you for joining us tonight. Happy Messi to MLS, and we will see you next time.